0: This is episode number 141 of Patrick Jones Baseball, and on this episode we have Robin Lund. Robin is currently the pitching coach at the University of Iowa. Um, It's going to be his first season as the pitching coach. Last season he was also at Iowa where he was the hitting coach, so... Um, not not every day you get to meet someone at a, a Power Five school. He goes from hitting coach to pitching coach in just one year. Um, he has a pretty cool story. Um, from 2002 to 2018, he was actually the associate professor in the Department of Kinesiology at the University of Northern Iowa. Um, he ran a, a biomechanics lab there and he taught anatomy. And so he has a pretty deep understanding of how the body works and also how to incorporate technology to help um, his players as well. So he's a pretty interesting um, guy and. Again, it's just—it's not every day you you get to meet someone um, or talk to someone on the phone who uh, who can do kind of do a little bit of everything. You know, he can teach anatomy, can be a hitting coach, a pitching coach, um, run a biomechanics uh, lab, and and someone who's continually uh, pushing themselves to learn more. So um, I think you guys will like this episode with Robin. It's going to give some pretty cool insight into how they go about things at the University of Iowa. I might also like to remind everyone that my uh, coaches course is officially out. Um, I developed this course um, specifically for high school coaches, but really anyone who coaches high school age players. And so I, I made this course so to kind of go over everything that I've learned over the past several years. I'm talking with different coaches and traveling around a different uh, conferences and just all the research that I, that I have done. And in the course you're gonna learn how to do a movement assessment on each of your players and why that's so important. I'm going to go over in blast motion and detail, and talk about different ways and different drills that can kind of help um, your players um, improve on some of those metrics. And then they also bring on a great pitching coach and Scott Stalker, who um, who goes over Rap Soto and gives drills as well for pitchers um, who are trying to develop and get better. So if you actually head to my website, PatrickJonesBaseball.com, there'll be a courses tab up top, and if you click on that, then you'll be right there. Um, on my course page. So um, if you have any questions about that, just shoot me an email, uh, JonesBaseballTraining at gmail.com. Hope you enjoy today's episode with Robin Lund. All right, we are now live with Robin Lund, who is the pitching coach for the University of Iowa coach thanks for coming on today
1: absolutely thanks for having me
0: so um you were kind of just explaining to me before we started recording about your uh, various jobs and your unique path to kind of where you're at today because you've had a ton of different roles I mean even last year weren't you the hitting coach at University yeah. of Iowa and now you're the pitching coach
1: yeah yeah that's exactly right um what can't so you do we, we, well we, we we rewind all the way back um as a, as a kid, guy, just finishing up my career, um, at Whitworth university, uh, it was an NAI school at the time. Now was a D3 school. Wasn't good enough to continue playing, but wanted to stay in the game. Um, got a master's degree, um, got a job at Spokane Falls community college where I played, um, and worked for, um, Hal Deberry And then I and then worked, ended up working for Dave Keller. Um, and that was great. And, and I don't know if you remember, but like in the mid nineties was weight written, strength and conditioning when baseball coaches were like, Hey, you know, the strength and conditioning thing is, I think is really important. And it was becoming an important part from a recruiting standpoint too. So, um, Dave Keller said, Hey, you're going to be our strength coach. So get certified. So I did the research, got, got NSCA certification, the CSCS in 95. And that ended up being my niche thing, um, as a young college baseball coach. And so a few years later, coach Hertz at Gonzaga, um, offered me a job, um, with uh, with Gonzaga uh, in the West Coast Conference, and I was kicking around the idea of a PhD because the strength and conditioning stuff was fascinating to me, and that week, my wife got pregnant with our first baby, and, and so something flipped in my head. I decided to leave coaching, um, transferred over to the University of Idaho to start my PhD, and um, while I was there, I uh, was fortunate enough, you know, Lewis Clark State College, NAI, Powerhouse, and Ed Sheff. Um, down the road, and I actually went to high school in Lewiston, Idaho. Um, and Coach Chef was my legion coach for one year. Um, so I was lucky enough to be his strength coach for a couple of years on some pretty good um, Lewis Clark State College teams. Um, got my PhD, uh, applied to a bunch of positions all over the country. Ended up at the University of Northern Iowa, um, where Rick Heller was the baseball coach at the time. Um, we quickly became friends. I was his strength coach for a couple of years while I was a professor trying to get tenured. Um, And then basically, long story short, we fast forward, um, was at UNI for 17 years, was tenured, uh, had a short stint as our uh, department head for a little bit. Um, And then what's just coming full circle, the irony is now with all of the technology um, and baseball really embracing that um, in the last few years, uh, you know, I've been teaching biomechanics, statistics, muscle phys, anatomy, um, kinesiology, um, all of the stuff that is kind of popular now in baseball um has, is my niche thing again and i did never think i would get an opportunity to coach um college baseball again i thought i would be i thought i would be done but um my weird little skill set now on the academic side um allowed me to to jump back in so when coach heller called me i i jumped at it
0: you know one one of the, the things that I, I found interesting when you were just talking right there is how when you first started out um uh, I believe you said it was the coach you were with at the time said like, Hey, like I want you to be the strength and conditioning coach. Like you go research and, and, get your certification. Whereas now, like I don't think anybody would ever say that they would just go and, and find someone who's already like certified and been doing it for years.
1: Yeah. it's it, And I've held that, I've kept that certification up all the way through. So I'm still certified to this day. Um, and so I don't know what do the math on that since 95 was the year I got it. Um, and it is it, it, it served me well. I mean that that the, the kind of the mentality and, and managing workload now as a pitching coach is, is, is serving me really well. So,
0: what what um do you think are the differences between um, the various levels of college baseball? Because you said you've been at Lewis and Clark, you've been at um, a couple other schools as well, and then now you're at University of Iowa. What would you say the competition level is like, and just kind of just everything in general?
1: I mean, I think there's there's dudes everywhere at every level. What I'm noticing is the biggest difference um, having been at a, at a JUCO and then at an NAI school. And then even at a mid major at at Northern Iowa, when I was helping coach Heller, helping him there. And then you compare that to um, you know, university of Iowa, which were, you know, power five big 10 school are the resources. I mean, there's, there's kids there um, at every school. We see kids at every level we see really smart coaches at every level. We see, um, you know, coaches doing you know incredible things at, at some of the schools without the resource. But again, it, it ends up just being, being the resources is what I see as the biggest difference.
0: What's the recruiting budget like? Do you get to fly everywhere?
1: Oh man, I have no idea. I don't get to see that stuff. That's above my pay grade. Um, <laughs> but uh, I've flown. I've flown. I think I flew a couple of places this this year for recruiting um but I, I drove a lot I drove more than I flew so <laughs> good
0: question though how do you how do you like the recruiting because some people that's a deal breaker for me They're, They they yeah. just want to coach they don't want to recruit
1: yeah and that's I mean and that's really the reason why I got out of it originally was I, I knew you know the the time commitment that it takes you know from from a recruiting standpoint and so um, I knew that having a, a young being a young parent um, newly married with starting a family that, um, that I just wanted to be at home more. And so now that my kids are grown and getting older, um, and my wife was like incredibly supportive of me, you know, giving up my tenure track job to, to do this. Um, and she knew we've, we've already done this, um, as a married couple. So she knew exactly what we were getting into and, and she supported me. Um, and so I'm, you know, at, at at my age now getting back into it i'm 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 energized and ready to go and i actually don't mind it i like i like traveling and seeing new things i'm I'm a foodie so i like to go out and so i try to embrace the entire experience and get out there and, and experience as much as i can but i don't i don't mind the traveling and i, and I don't mind the recruiting I, I love baseball i love watching it so um
0: being kind of like we were just talking about resources um and various levels of college baseball how how are you able to kind of implement all the resources at the University of Iowa to maximize uh, player development for your, I guess, pitchers this year?
1: Sure, that's the hardest part. I mean, these these technologies that are out there are wonderful. Um, you know, like if you look at what we use at, at Iowa, we, we have TrackMan on the field, and we use Rapsodo um, in the bullpen every day. We have edutronic cameras. Um, we use the Motus sleeve every day. We use blast sensors every day. Um, so we have all this equipment and all of these things are, are kicking out you know, about you know, hundreds and thousands of variables or you know independent data points each week. And the dashboards that these things um, that, that are developed with these technologies are not designed for an al- um, analysts, right? They're designed for practitioners and they're designed for coaches. And so they kick out reports and the reports are fine, they're good. But for somebody like myself who wants, I want the raw data, I want the data in CSV format so I can um, maybe even use pivot tables if it's not a really complicated um, question that I'm trying to, trying to get to or, 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 or are I'm kind of an amateur in R, I'm okay, I can just, you know, know enough to be dangerous, but we have some resources around here that are pretty good with that stuff. But um, th- those technologies that are out there, um, they're not very user-friendly. When, when, it, when it comes down to then pulling that data down, into a format where you can start to do some deeper analyses, they're not very user-friendly at all. And I think that's the biggest challenge. And so um, I've spent, you know, but basically since April, um, finding different ways to get around that. Some of those, some of those solutions we have to pay for, um, you know, some of these technologies require you to pay a yearly subscription fee to get that functionality, to pull that, that data down into CSV format um, and others you have to be creative and, you know, use some custom code. We, we write computer code um, to kind of pull that stuff down and automate those, those things. But um, that's the biggest challenge is, is literally just wrangling that data, getting that data so that you can actually do something with it. And then once you're there um, again, most coaches don't have a, you know, background in, in big data. Um, once, once you get it, then you got to do something with it. And that's really what I've been one of my, my biggest, Priorities as a new assistant baseball coach here at Iowa. Since probably last, it's about ten months I've been working on this. Um, we just now are getting to the point where we have all of the data um, in a single place. Where we're starting to, our automated reports are starting to roll in. And um, and then you know you got to teach. You got to you got to spend a lot of time teaching the guys because um, again I can't I can't sit there with each pitcher or, or each hit, you know or, or our hitting coach Jake Yasinich can't sit there with each hitter. And walk them through everything. We have to spend time on the on the front end educating them, you know, so that they understand, you know, the variables so that when these reports start rolling in, not only can they understand them, but they're motivated to want to see them. So for example, one of the things that we do that's been really helpful and I think is kind of unique is we publish a lot of videos um, that we make accessible to the players. Um, on the hitting right now, we've just been doing, I've been working with the hitting coach and we've been getting them done on the hitting side. And then I'm just getting ready to produce my first video for the, on the pitching side. But, you know, we basically create these 15 to 20, 25 minute videos that lay down the scientific foundation of whatever it is we're trying to get across. So like we take a movement pattern, like on the hitting side, like being able to get into a really good rear hip load and then holding that rear hip load as you get into your forward move is, is a really important thing. And we want all of our guys to be good at that independent of swing style. So they need to understand that, you know, this is what a rear hip load looks like. This is what it looks like when you are moving forward. Um This is why it's important. It gets you, uh it's the only way that you can get your, it keep you from being pushy. You get a nice barrel turn. You get a positive attack angle. Positive attack angle means our hardest hit balls are hit between 10 and 25 degrees, 10 and 25 degree, Uh, batted balls are uh, associated with higher hit probability and slugging percentage and and all that stuff so we lay that foundation through these videos and then at the end of the video has a unique drill series that is tailored to that particular movement pattern and then we we name the drill we set up the drill we talk about cues for the drill and that all gets published and sent to the guys um, through vimeo um, and some of our other technology and they watch that and then when they show up at practice the next day, it's like, all right, do you guys watch the video? Yup. Any questions? Um, yeah. I one question here, answer that question. And then boom, there the drill series is set up and you're ready to go. So that kind of answered your question. That's a way for you to get a lot of teaching done early, but it also, you know, make sure that the guys are bought in on the technology and they understand the variables. And so when you start exposing them to those data, um, they understand it.
0: Oh, no, that's that's really cool. And I'm sure I, I can only imagine how much time that's taken, you and especially you already have a background in a lot of this stuff as is for the average college program out there though I mean I know everyone's collecting uh data now but I mean for the average college program do you honestly think that doing all of this is really worth it or should they just focus on uh, moving efficiently getting their players to move correctly doing some video maybe a blast sensor or something of that nature and then just kind of working on uh making sure their mental game and everything else is is uh, on point
1: yeah i mean everybody's got their strengths um that's my strength so you know i i play to it um but you're right i mean if you don't have a background in data and you're and that's not your thing i mean there's i mean there's there's way, other ways to get hitters good you know focusing like you said on movement quality and those kinds of things um that's just what we do. You know what I mean? And I know there's lots of ways to do it. Now, having said that, um, yeah, you're getting a blast sensor and, and scraping that data and getting that data off the dashboard, but you know, some simple things like, um, you know, doing a little bit of homework and learning how to use and create tables in Excel and and then create pivot tables is a really powerful, simple, you know, cheap and easy way to do some pretty advanced analyses and data visualizations. Um, so, you know, even at the, even at the, again, the, 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 levels where, yeah, you might not have access to all those technology, you get access to a little bit of technology, then you can make the most of it. I'll, I'll point you in the, you know, um, coach, I I'm, I'm probably butchering his last name, but Daniel Nicolaisen Nicolayson from mm-hmm. Seton Hall, the mm-hmm. softball coach. I mean, the stuff that he's doing in Google sheets with with just a couple of blast sensors is, is, is remarkable. And so, you know, a little bit of knowledge can go a long way uh, with some of that stuff.
0: Is this your first year um, ever as a pitching coach?
1: Um, <laughs> I, do I have to answer that? Yeah, it is actually. It is.
0: Yep. Really? What? I mean, yep. how's that transition been?
1: It's been awesome. I mean, so for me, I've always been fascinated with throwing um i've taught i taught anatomy for 17 years um taught biomechanics i ran a biomechanics lab and like i said i've been fascinated with with throwing forever um arm health uh I'm fascinated with all of the technology um associated with pitch design and all that stuff so i've been you know buried into that literature and that science for for a long long time now so um and a, a good friend of my a new friend of mine um coach Hobbs from the University of Arkansas when when I was chatting with him about it you know with the background in strength and conditioning you know he he told me you know you don't think of yourself as a pitching coach you got to think of yourself as a pitching trainer and that really resonated with me and I've coached a lot of sprinters and and speed work and when you think of coaching sprinters um you know intensity is key workload management is key you can't you can't um blow them out from a, from a max effort standpoint every day, just like throwing, you have to manage workload. You have to give, you have to give rest. You have to periodize, you have to manage all that stuff. And and you'd be surprised at how close, um, how closely aligned training sprinters and training pitchers are um, very similar. Um, and so I just embrace the things that I know and the things that I understand um, which is the technology side and the science of it and, and the, the anatomy and all that piece in the teaching, I embrace that. Um, and then I'm also really lucky, you know, our, our, our ops guy is, um, you know, Nick Young, or sorry, Nick Ungs. He played the, he played pro ball for 11 years, was a conference player of the year. Um, and so I'm all constantly bouncing ideas off him. Coach Heller has been a head coach, you know, for over 30 years. I'm uh, constantly bouncing stuff on him. So I'm surrounded by people who have that kind of practical, you know, Real-world experience, kind of knowledge of the game, and then when I when, and and as long as I'm open and willing to to ask questions and receive that and bounce my ideas off people, it ends up being a, a great partnership. And um, our guys are loving it. Our guys are responding really well to the training and have been really open um, and welcoming to me as their pitching coach. And it's been it's been awesome. I I, I can't. I have literally zero complaints. It's gone. Uh, it couldn't have gone any better this fall.
0: Do you think that now, let's say, maybe you become hitting coach next year do you think you'll you're now going to be a better hitting coach because you spend so much time on pitching and pitch design and pitch tunneling and all this other um sort of thing that goes into that
1: yeah for sure i mean um i mean, I mean i'm already using all of this stuff with the, on, from the hitting side to help our pitchers get guys out you know and so i i we tr- we treated the fall we, we 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 played it pretty straight up um I call pitches um just like we would we we put in the system that that I'm going to be using in the spring so I had an opportunity to practice it and um and it and it went really great and as I was calling pitches you know I'm watching hitters um we played three games against you know other teams um and I'm watching guys and and I'm and I'm watching swings I can see like oh boy this guy's not going to handle this guy's pushy this guy's steep, not going to handle the ball down very well And so like using the hitting knowledge um, to get guys out, that helped me this fall, and and I can only think that if I if I ever had to go back to hitting, or if I ever did go back to hitting, that this pitching side will definitely help.
0: Um, how much easier is uh, coaching pitchers than hitters?
1: It's different. It's really different. Um, I, here at Iowa, again, you know, with all the things, that, you know, when I, when I would set up for hitting, it was, you know, because you know we're setting up pitching machines, we're 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 bumping them around to like try to mimic certain you know, extension, you know, for certain pitchers and, and there's just a lot that goes into to a hit, setting up for hitting. I mean, it would take me an hour to get set up on the pitching side. Um, you know, setting up is basically just making sure, um, our, our managers know when the Rapsodo needs to be hooked up and the cameras need to be set up. And then really just making sure we got nice baseballs. I mean, that's pretty much all, all we do on that end, but there's a lot more organization on the pitching side. Um, you know, like setting things up and making sure we're not wasting time. And, and, um, you know, uh, just organizing, you know, we got, we got pens on, specifically on a day where we're throwing bullpens, trying to, you know, set up the tea time. So we're not sitting around and we're timing things up that we make sure we got enough catches, all that stuff. So there's a lot more organization on the pitching side, but setting up and from an equipment standpoint, it's not even close.
0: How long would it is a typical practice, um, at Iowa?
1: Well, we start out about two o'clock and, you know, we have basically the four hour limit. And so on a day where we're not lifting, um, you know, we're going to push that three and a half to four hours. And then on days where we're doing lifting or other things, you know, we'll have a shortened day that day, but you're basically limited to four hours in a day.
0: I mean, do you think that's too long though?
1: Um, not necessarily. There's a lot of teaching, you know, I mean, you're doing a lot of different things at the same time. So it's not like you're. You're sprinting around and flying around all the time. Um, there's a lot of downtime in between. Um, and just like anything, um, you know, we're asking the guys to maintain a lot of you know, a high level of focus, obviously. Um, and we feel that, you know, you can if you can maintain that high level of focus um within the practice, it's gonna make those games that much easier. But, you know, we give the guys permission. I mean, we talk about it, we we train it, we actually talk about You know, you're going to have times when, when your focus drifts off, that's a little bit, what's important is just to kind of recognize it and then get yourself, you know, back on task. And just like anything, if you can, if you can measure it, you can improve it. And, um, uh, and so, no, I, I mean, I don't think it's that long. Uh, it's, it's amazing what you get used to, um, when you just, when you, when you do it. And again, remember we're limited to 20 hours a week as well, right? Total that's, that's with all of our required, athletic activities you know so like that includes weight room stuff but um, our typical practice is going to be in that between that three to four hour range
0: I'd like to remind everyone that In my opinion, the best deal that's on the market right now is getting a blast motion bat sensor. Um, It can track your bat speed, attack angle, whether you're swinging down or up on the ball, how long you're on plane with the incoming pitch, time to contact, so many very valuable things that um, can can be tracked by a simple blast motion sensor. And if you go onto their website, blastmotion.com, and type in code PJB25, you'll receive $25 off. So head on over to blastmotion. and type in code PJB twenty five. You'll get twenty five dollars off, and I think it's a huge benefit for any player or coach out there. Yeah, no, I was just I was just curious, and I'm glad you kind of brought up that the point of a lot of what you do is a lot of it's teaching too, right? Because yeah, I think that's the problem is you got a lot of times is there's, I, I just envision um, pitchers just standing around in the outfield shagging and then running some poles and no, yeah, and I mean that's no. just
1: our guys. There's Yeah. So like on a typical day for a pitcher, you know, so our guys show up um, and they're going to go through activation. Um, We, we require the guys to try everything that we have. We have a smorgasbord of, of different things between form rollers, lacrosse balls, um, shoulder, you know, shoulder tubes, obviously plow plow balls for plow, plow ball throwing drills. Um, We have Thera guns. And I mean, there's just a bunch of things that, that we want them to try. Jaeger bands, all the different things. We have not try them all, and then they develop their own activation protocols. You know, those protocols are going to – it's going to take them, their arm to get ready, you know, somewhere between, you know, 25 to 30 minutes. Um, then they're going to come out, and, um, you know, then they're, they're going to do their throwing program. We try to time the throwing program so that when they're all done with that, um, it's we're ready to go into team defense so their arms are up and they don't have to get their arms up a second time. There's going to be some PFPs built in there. We do a lot of movement prep things. We have various um, routines set up. Um, For movement prep that they'll do on a daily basis. Um, So they're busy. There's not a lot of standing around the guys don't have to shag as much um, as you think. Um, And, you know, they don't actually don't even mind it. They don't even mind shagging because they know it helps to position guys out. But um, we don't require. And so then we got our conditioning that we've got to do. So there's very little standing around. And at least on the pitching side, if if, if if we're done and they don't have anything else to do and the hitters are still hitting, we, we cut them loose. We get them out of there. We don't make them stand around just to sit there.
0: Well, one of the things you, <clears throat> I remember you were talking about earlier um, is how you call pitches. Do you ever let yep. the catchers call pitches?
1: Yep. Yeah, we do sometimes. Um, well, This year what we're going to try to implement – is some, uh, and I got this idea from, from Matt Hobbs, um, is just some, some meetings where I meet with the catchers and kind of like pitch calling course, you know, like a pitch class one oh one um, where we talk about that, you know, because during the, during the world series, the guys called, we let the catchers call all of the pitches. Um, and, um, you know, I disagreed with a lot of them. Um, I disagreed with a lot of them. And, and so <laughs> having us uh, uh, being able to, sit down and talk about it, um, and to be important. And it's like, you know, and, and you get that, it's a, I mean, it's an important discussion to have and it's like this deal where, you know, we're each game, I, I, like at least for us personally last year with my first season, um, out of 50, I think we played 52 games. I'd have to look at the exactly how many we played or no with the postseason, maybe 54, 55 games. There was maybe three games all year that I can think of that got out of hand. I mean, literally every game, I'm I'm talking 98% of the games, you don't know what's going to happen in the ninth inning. We could win this thing. We could lose this thing. You're on the edge of your seat, you know, you're chewing your fingernails and it comes down sometimes to just one pitch, the the one pitch that was called. And so, you know, would it be great to have your catchers, you know, calling the game? Um, It would be, I think that would be the best. That would be, you know, perfect, but you know, we're also all held accountable, um, you know, And, uh, you know, we got to win games. And and so you just get to this this weird situation where, you know, what would be great on one hand isn't always realistic in terms of of winning games. So um, we talk about it a lot as a staff. um, And right now, where we're at, weighing all the pros and cons, we're going to call the game at this point. But, you know, that might change in the future.
0: What are your thoughts on, on sending your players to uh, go play summer baseball or go to different facilities and train? Like, what, are your, what do you think about all that? Yeah, we're
1: open to it. Um, with the rules and us not being able to work with guys, um, it's important that you know, they go someplace that's reputable and, and a place that you trust, of course. Um, on the position player side, um, most of our guys go out and play. And you know, get try to get more at bats, and and obviously they're lifting weights and they're and they're trying to get trying to put on some weight over the summer and and get more physical. On the on the pitching side, it gets a little bit more complicated, um and we're talking about that. um We're leaning towards more, you know, maybe sending some of our guys out just only for the first half, you know, and then bringing them back to campus the second half, and then having them spend the rest of the summer with the strength coach, and then just going on um you know and then just trying to get their you know give their arm a chance to to, to re- recover a little bit and then go into some type of structured long toss throwing plan with a blend amount so that they can get ready to compete in the fall um but you know we're we're spending a lot of time talking about that and and at least talking to other coaches i know at least in summer ball you know people are less and less willing to want to have their pitchers go out all summer you know what i mean like when are you gonna when are you gonna Get a chance to either have some active or passive rest, depending on on how you feel about shutting guys down. I know people have different opinions on that, um, but you know that's kind of where we're at right now. So if we have a guy that is an upperclassman that threw a lot for us, probably less likely to throw, send that guy out to play in the summer. But you know, a freshman maybe who um, redshirted or a freshman who didn't get to throw as many innings, we're going to be probably more um, probably more likely to to send that kid out.
0: Gotcha. What um when you're out on the road recruiting, what are you,
1: what are you looking for? Um, for us, we are obviously there's a certain level of you know talent that is kind of that base level thing that you need, right? Um, that's what kind of gets you in the door, at least catches your attention, and then after that, um, the, the culture piece is really important for us. So we're going to do a lot of homework on any particular kid to make sure that he's going to end up being a good fit here. Um, Kids that don't want to work, um, kids that don't want to be coached, kids that aren't willing to that aren't open to new ways or being open to trying things potentially a different way um, are going to struggle here. Kids that um, that uh, don't fly around, that aren't high energy. that aren't communicators that aren't, aren't going to learn are going to struggle here. Um, it's just not going to be a good fit. So we watch and and we, you know, we're looking for guys that like to play. We're looking for guys that fly around. We're looking for guys that take charge, um, that are positive, that are good teammates um, that, you know, respond well to failure. Um, and also respond well to success. You know, so, I mean, we want to see all those things. Um, and for us, because um, we put such a premium on, we feel like we can really develop guys. And so if there's, you know, two players where one is maybe has a little bit more talent um, than the other kid, a little bit more physical that may look like he has a little bit more upside um, with just a kind of eyeball, um, the the, the rudimentary check, if you will. Um, But the other kid, the kid that maybe looks like he might have a little bit less upside, is flying around, again, high energy, all the things that we want to see, we'll we'll probably go after the other kid um, because we really are confident in our ability to develop players and develop, develop guys. And we have a wonderful strength coach and and all that stuff. And, and I think we have a pretty good track record of, uh, of developing players.
0: Do you, um, like, how do you become aware of a lot of these kids?
1: Um, We watch a lot of baseball. You got to go out and you got to watch coach Sutherland and coach Heller um, have been around for a long time and been coaching for a long, long time. And so they have, you know, tons of connections, obviously, um, people that they trust. Um, and you just have to, you know, we rely on, 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 a lot of people, you know, you know, shooting us a note, quick text, Hey, have you seen this kid? Have you seen that kid? Um, obviously now with the technology, with perfect game, with PBR, with, um, you know, some of these other organizations that, that, that are doing it for the job, the flat ground app, you know what I mean? Like, kids are just you can see kids. There's not too many, you don't you don't hear too many kids that just popped out of nowhere their senior year, diamonds in the rough. That kid doesn't really exist anymore. Um kids are being exposed now more than ever um through these different, you know, technologies and different websites and different organizations. And so it's kind of a combination of everything. You know, we got our grassroots uh, network. We gotta go out and we gotta watch games and then you know and then we're using the internet.
0: Is there a certain like VLO where if a kid hits a certain um um velocity like you, you're, you're, you're you'll take him no matter what um
1: maybe you know because you got to look at you know yeah pro- <laughs> that's a, that's a really good question it's a hard question because i mean i personally also am looking at how the ball's coming out of their hand um i'm i'm using uh some high speed video to look at their arm their arm action the way the arm moves um looking for inefficiencies things that you can't ever predict an injury but you know there's certain things that that um, that, that I think predispose a kid to maybe having arm trouble in the future. Um, there's things that I'm looking for. I like to see kids that, that are, that have great extension that are way out front with, with the release. Um, the kids that get way out front with their release, things tend to be clean on the backside as we move downstream. Um, but velo, again, yeah, I'm not going to lie. I mean, velo's is the thing that catches your eye right away. That's the thing that gets you, that gets you poking around. And then after that, then, you know, there's other things that we look at.
0: So if I throw oh, a ninety-five, like, am I gonna get an offer from you?
1: Throw ninety-five? Yeah, uh, yeah, probably. Probably. <laughs>
0: <laughs> uh, that's good. That's good. You no, know, it really sounds like you—you you are really like up to date on on everything that's going on in the game, and really passionate about just player development. Um, I really like. I really love seeing that kind of stuff. Are there anything specific that you're like? curious about or like digging more into from a player development side where you're not maybe hundred percent all in right now, but you're still like looking at it.
1: Yeah. So the things that I'm poking around in right now, and again, it's not that I'm not sure about it. I am sure about it, but that I'm really digging the last probably two years or three years, I've put a ton of energy just in the motor learning aspect, um, of how people, how people learn to move and how you can change movement in particular. Um, and so all of the stuff by, you know, friends, I mean, the stuff that's out there that everybody talks about. Um, and so, but implementing that stuff and, and really seeing things change. Like we had a couple of guys hang back this summer because we wanted to um, overhaul some arm path issues and, you know, stuff works. You just got to be deliberate. And so we were able to really, you know, change the way certain guys throw and, and um, have seen some really good stuff from that. So that's one thing is just all the motor learning um, literature that's out there, you know, reading that stuff and then, and then trying to find ways to implement it has been, has been awesome. And then the other thing that I've been spending a lot of time looking into is just this functional range conditioning stuff. Um, not sure whether out of our strength coach, um, is certified in that. And so he's been, he's been giving me some stuff and I've been, we've been working together to try to create some, um, just progressions, movement progressions, um, that, basically start out with some type of controlled, articular rotation, um, checking for a range of motion deficiencies, and then using what we call pails and rails or progressive and regressive angular isometric loadings. Words sound really fancy, but there there's a whole system out there. If you Google it, it's pretty cool stuff. And then bringing them back and then rechecking the range of motion and then linking that to some, some global movement that is, you know, tied to like, say getting into your, your hip or, or hip shoulder separation, something about the pitching motion, That we really want to focus on from a movement pattern and then creating these, these, these progressions that help the athlete feel that and and improve the mobility and self-check, but also be able to to perform that movement a little bit more effectively. And those things are designed to like nudge and change that mode, you know, gently nudge that movement pattern over time. You're not going to change these patterns in a day or a week or even a month, these things take, you know, a long time to change. So that's the other thing that I've been getting into this, getting this thing called functional range conditioning, pretty fascinating stuff.
0: Were you applying that motor learning uh, piece when you were working with hitters and did you, were you able to see any yeah. changes there too?
1: Yeah. Yeah. The first, the first full bore implementation that I, that we did with that was at Northern Iowa when I was the volunteer last year with, with coach Ryan Jacobs. um, at the university of Northern Iowa with the softball team actually. And, um, coach Jake, and he's just like a really progressive, smart guy. And as we started thinking about developing hitters and and saying the hitting coach, JJ Reimer, um, really smart, young up and coming, you know, dude, he's going to be a really good hitting coach. Um, he already is, but he's, he's going to be a monster. Um, and. You know, just applying these, these concepts where, you know, pick one thing that we're going to try to change, um, over a course of time. Like again, I'll just say the rear hip load. And, you know, basically only working on that for like, you know, a week or two weeks at a time and you can, you can change things. And that softball team, um, had only hit like 19 home runs, I believe the year before. Um, and in the fall, that fall after implementing some of that stuff, they hit 19 home runs just in the fall. Um, the group that was coming back, uh, for that upcoming season had only hit, I think they, I think they only had like eight or nine home runs coming back with returning players. Um, and after implementing these, these techniques, this motor learning stuff, the constraint-based approach essentially to to kind of nudging, again, a movement pattern over time. And essentially all we were trying to do is all those girls, their hardest hit balls were on the ground. And we could prove that using our Rapsodo hitting unit, right? And so once we got them bought in, it's like, hey, you need your hardest hit balls need to be between 10 and 25 degrees. And once we got them convinced of that, then we went to work changing it using these, these, these techniques. And in the course of six weeks, you know, you could quantifiably show that their hardest hit balls were now in the air. Like we could, we could show it with the Soto. So anyway, you fast forward to the season Again, the previous year, they hit 19 home runs the next year. I think they hit 60. I think they broke the single season home run record ever all time at the university. I think they hit 60 some home runs. And then they had a kid break the single season individual home run record. You know, and that work was done essentially in six to eight weeks, you know, um, basically just changing their swing. So that instead of being so steep downward, they were just slightly up. Wow. That's,
0: that's good stuff right there. How, yeah. do you guys do any stuff when in terms of just the mental game?
1: Yeah, we try to every day, every, every day, at least with the pitchers, um, the first five minutes of every practice we call mental activation. So before we activate our arms, we activate our, our, our the mental side, um, And we do a variety of different things. Um, uh, What I've been doing lately is picking players and having them present once a week. So I try to have the player come up with something. And sometimes it's a PowerPoint. Sometimes it's a handout. Um, Sometimes it's just them talking about things that they do that have helped them be successful. So I've kind of focused on the upperclassmen um, and they present. and and, and, And what I found is that they're way more receptive to that stuff from their peers than from me. Um, not that they're not receptive for me, but they just really lock in um, when, say, you know, Grant Leonard, who you know, led the Big Ten in saves last year as a junior, when he sets up there and he tells you things that he does in order to slow the game down um, under high-pressure situations. Our freshmen get to the edge of it. The, they perk up and they listen. Um, they ask questions, and it ends up just fostering a ton of discussion. It's really great.
0: Yeah, that's, that, is, that is awesome. That's such a huge part of the game. I mean, it's such a huge yeah. part of the game. It's well, everything. I mean, we have
1: a couple of our guys that have essentially told them that you know their number one priority moving forward in the next four months needs to be the mental side. We have a we have a sports psychologist on staff. Um, Aubrey does a great job, and you know we, I've just flat told them like all you, you throw hard enough, you have your pitches, their, your movement profiles are where they need to be. Everything is there for you to be great. You're literally just missing this one piece you know what I mean like you just have to manage stress better you have to have better body language you have to have a, a more positive approach and so their, their their training priority is the mental game I mean that's that's they, they've been told that this is your number one priority moving forward over the next four months and so putting plans together to helping them with that
0: well I guess this is uh, another layer on top of the mental game you got anybody with the yips
1: Nobody right now. That's a word. We do not speak. That is like, it's like Voldemort. We won't even say that. (laughs) Wait, wait, it's like, what? (laughs) Exactly. I don't even know what you're talking about. (laughs) Have you ever had anybody? Um, We haven't. I mean, we've been pretty lucky this fall. Like our our guys pounded the zone this fall. And again, remember, it's my kind of first year as a a pitching coach here, but um, our guys like pounded the zone. Um, And so we, we talk a lot about, you know, um, you know, high level of focus when we're playing catch. We do a lot of competition, like our first 30 throws that we make every day are scripted and we have a bit of a competition with it every day and I keep track of their points. And so every day there's just, you know, every throw that they make, at least the first 30 throws, have uh, you know, there's a really high level of focus trying to hit certain spots. And so I think you get used to that. I think you get good at being able to, you know, go extended periods of time, like 30 30 consecutive throws with a high level focus that bleeds into the game. Right. And then you have this external focus. I'm always, my, my focus is always out, out there, right? The catcher's glove. What am I throwing to? And I'm not domed up thinking about my rear elbow or my back hip or anything like that. There should be none of that. You should just be think. should the, the, the mind should be clear with it. You got a clear heart, you got clear focus, high intent, and you just, you get after it and you compete and you try to, you trying to beat your opponent and we, so we do that every day we, we have a again 30 throw competition every day and, and I, I think it bleeds into the game I, I absolutely believe it does um, at least our performance this fall we, we pounded the zone we, we, we did a really nice job at that this fall
0: so you don't want any of your pitchers I mean because I know everyone's a little bit different but for the most part would you say you don't want any of them thinking about anything
1: um, internal when they're on the mound I, I, I'm a, I love biomechanics. I mean, I ran a biomechanics lab for, you know, seven years at, at, at Northern Iowa and I've taught biomechanics for years at the grad and undergrad level. I mean, I love, I love mechanics more than anybody. There isn't anybody that loves them more than me and I never talked about them with the guys ever. We just, we just try to keep them out there. They understand them. We have conversations, so they understand what's going on and when we're doing plow care drills or when we're doing our PVC routine, that's trying to, trying to promote certain things. I make sure they understand the mechanics and why they're important but as soon as we start throwing baseballs we don't mean you know, we don't talk about it in the bullpen um we just try to keep an external focus as much as we can
0: awesome robin thanks so much man i really appreciate it um unfortunately i'm not um up to 95 yet i, I clocked myself the other day i maxed out at 70 so let me know yeah 25 yeah. miles just 25 miles and then yeah. i then i'm qualified for your staff um but no, man. I, I really, um, in all in all seriousness, it really sounds like the, like your program would be an awesome place to go and, and develop. And I really love how passionate you are and all the time, because I know I know it's a lot of time to be able to do all this stuff. And you could, you don't have to do it either. Um, so I, again, you know, from the baseball world, I thank you. And again, I'd really would recommend anyone checking out your program
1: if they're um,
0: if they're a pitcher for sure
1: yeah well we 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 want kids that want to get good and 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 are open to learning and developing and same thing we have we have high school coaches and and coaches drop in all the time to observe we have an open door policy anybody who ever wants to visit just needs to reach out.
0: Awesome. thanks so much, ma'am.
1: Thank you. take care.